This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So good evening. Welcome back. Second time around, a bit of a gremlins in the system there. Always happens uh, on a live on a live feed like this. But still, we're there. there. So this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Man United podcast. Um, my name's Paul, and uh, I run the United Before Fergie uh, Twitter account and Instagram account and the Facebook page. So this is the very first United Before Fergie podcast. If you are watching this live on YouTube or Facebook, then feel free to get your comments or your questions in. If you're watching the replay, hello, and uh, we will still still feel free to comment and we will reply to you. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform that you're listening on. As the first United Before Fergie podcast, my guests this time are Alan, who runs the very excellent uh, Yesterday Stars United History account on Twitter, because you can never have too much history on United. Uh, we've got David Blatt, who is the author of two books detailing his adventures and his life following United. And last but very much not least, uh, we've got uh, revered author Wayne Barton, who's written a million books on United. Um, so welcome, guys. I appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, Easter Monday evening to, to join us here. So the big question we come up with, what, what, is going to, what are we going to talk about? What is today's topic? Well, we decided to settle on the 1977 Cup final. Now, the reason that we did this, and we could have started anywhere in United's history, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, you know, for, I guess for many lads of my age, and I'm in my early 50s now, 77 was the first real major trophy that we'd ever experienced being very, very young United fans. Um and it always, it's just a very big topic of conversation whenever, um, you know, the FA Cup is, 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 is brought up. And it just seems to be that match that everyone remembers. It's their first time with, with their dads or their, their uncles and aunties. They went there as their first FA Cup final. It's got so much, there's so much love for that particular match that we just decided that was probably a really good, a really good place to start with, um, with our, you know, with the first podcast. So, um, I did put a tweet out yesterday asking for um, sort of personal stories and, and and viewpoints from that particular match. And as per usual, it didn't disappoint. And some of the stories and the tales are um, interesting, I think it's fair to say. So the first one was from Al, who's at Fletcher Moss 7. He said he's got mates who still haven't come home yet. <laughs> that must have been a hell of a day. He followed up with... Um, the flare in the back of his jeans smelt um, for uh, for at least another season from standing mm. in our end. Uh, yeah, sorry, Al, I had to mention it because um, it, it was it was a really cool start to it. Uh, Jay Stand sent me a DM on Twitter and he said about thirty of us left the Moss Vale pub in Ermston on the Friday night for the overnight train to Euston in a truly impressive intoxicated state. That's always a good way to start a, a, a day out at United. They arrived at Euston decked in their red, white and black and typical 70s attire. Uh, they headed straight for Trafalgar Square. Um, as you do, they piled onto one of the lions. Um, it was 10 past seven in the morning. Some bloke was taking photos of us to which we duly abide and went through our repertoire of 70s terrace classics. Not a scouser in sight. 
Uh, Journey to Wembley was typical of cans of beer, several boozers and the hot sweaty tube. Nothing has changed there, unfortunately, my friend. But and he said that match is so important in our history um, as we stopped the Mickeys from becoming the first team to do the treble. Although after it, we were just ecstatic that we won the cup uh, following the disappointment of 76 when Tommy Dot came out and said that we'd be back and we'd win it. And we did. And by the time we got back to Houston, we realised the bloke taking the photos at seven at 10 past seven in the morning was from the London Evening Standard. And uh, there they were <laughs> in all their glory on the back page. The photo itself was exhibited in the United Museum for the 40-year anniversary and key scene on the K. Serrar Serrar documentary. Thank you for that, um, for Jay Stand. So, yeah, the, the, the fi that final uh, was the crowning glory of, of Tommy Doherty's reign at United. But, Wayne, why, why was it so significant? Well, it was the first trophy post Busby, wasn't it? And, you know, it'd been a long journey to get to that point. I mean, nine years after the, you could say, the second division trophy was the first, and a lot of people will claim that because it, you know, you get trophy for winning the division, um, but it's the first major trophy. Um, and the first time really United had come close because there'd been a number of semi-finals. I mean, post Busby, you've got the transition, he, he retires, who comes in, that will McGuinness comes in, he has some semi-finals, does quite well, but he never quite has the authority um, under Busby. Um, and then the sort of decline unravels really from that point. Um, Busby's sort of, I wouldn't say interfering, but overlooking on transfer affairs and sort of putting his two penneth in, which is causing a great deal of issues. He, they, you know, I guess Busby had so, so much loyalty towards the, the club and to his team, he found it difficult to let go. Um, unfortunately, that caused a big problem for McGuinness. He was never able to sort of ascertain full control. From then, O'Farrell came in. You thought an outsider might be able to get better control, and he started really well, and he it fell apart. This is a potted history, by the way, <laughs> of nine years of United. Um, six months of going uh, uh, really well, top of the league, United playing great football. It looks like he's getting a tune out of George Best, but then a difficult run of form comes... Um, O'Farrell makes some good transfers, but they're sort of after the horses bolted kind of thing, and the players have lost a lot of confidence in him because he's retreated from the media. Um, he deals badly with the George Best situation, and to be fair, I I'm not blaming O'Farrell for that. It was, Best was kind of out of control; they didn't, nobody knew what they were dealing with. Um, O'Farrell eventually sites with the the club. <laughs> They've gone from top, and in the space of a year, they look like they're relegation fodder. And then in comes Tommy Docherty in December 1972. Um, and really, I mean, for that period, I mean, we're talking 1977 when he wins a trophy. So we're talking four and a half years of getting to that point. The club flirt with relegation. They finally give in to relegation like a bad mistress. Um, and United promoted the first attempt, playing some really good football. You would get the impression from talking to some of the players that relegation was kind of like a liberation for them. Not like it was a good thing, but because the pressure of replacing best loan Charlton was so great on these younger players that, and they couldn't do it. I mean, nobody can in club history. No one's been able to replace them. You just evolve and move to the next stage. And that's what United were doing, but they were struggling to do that. Um, and the liberation, as I say, was kind of freeing them up to play against lesser teams when at a time when the, um, difference in quality between first and second division wasn't quite so great um so united were able to build up momentum by winning games and getting that confidence back they get promoted and um really it looks like a really good entertaining united team that is seriously going to challenge for trophies for the first time since a really good busby side 10 years earlier you know he's, he's got Coppola and hill on the wings hill probably well both of those players really um candidates for the best players since Busby at that point. And, and then we get to the cup final in 76. It's disappointing. They get to the cup final in 77 after Dockett says that they're going to come back. And I think it was really a period of a year because they were challenging for the first division, not, not proper challenges. You know, they came close. Nobody was calling them contenders, but they, they, they were all thereabouts towards the end of the 1976 season. So everyone was expecting big things from them in 77. That didn't quite happen. Um, I know we'll probably talk about um, Doherty and how it ended later on. 
but they were expected to challenge in 77. So the reason why it was so significant going into that final um, is because it should have been the start of something different instead of how it turned out to be the end. Do you do you think that it was um, that United fans really took to that team um, because of the, the not just the type of football they play, but maybe it was reminiscent of of the Busby Babes some twenty years before, where it was the free flow in the the and, and the cliche is the swashbuckling cavalier style of football. Do you think that teamed up with the the relative sort of traipsing through the mud of the early seventies and that the, the legends aging and getting on a bit they it just it was just that this is what man united is all about this is what we've grown up reading about with with the busby babes and 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 those kind of teams that just attack and this is the and this was kind of almost not not the reincarnation of that team but it was a this is what we want we want to attack we want to have fun we want to go out and and take this to to opposition do you feel there was a certain element of that involved in it as well yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, well, uh, David and Alan will be better placed to answer this um, than me. But my theory on it is that you had a, a, gr- a group of a generation of youngsters who've seen United win the European Cup, and you're kind of expecting, um, you know, United to kick on from that point, and they don't, and they break up, and then the players that come in, the youngsters that we'll talk about, you know, Greenoff, McElroy, the players who were coming in from the academy system were expected to follow this kind of. Um, this kind of pathway, but the the sort of pressure on them to play this kind of expressive football was so great that they were burdened by it. So they needed that liberation, like I said, of you know a good winning run of form. Um, and it was difficult for the supporters because obviously you've got this generation of supporters who were hoping for better things after '68. They think the European Cup is just the start, and it wasn't. It was the end. So I think this young generation of, of supporters who grew up with this team in 77 and then got they get to the pinnacle of an FA Cup final, like they did in 76, getting back there in 77, you've got this, like a generation who were growing up with this young United team as well. And I think that's where the kinship was. They'd also experienced a lot of new things in, in the second division. You know, they'd gone to places that they'd never been. You know, they tore up towns. The Red mm-hmm. Army had sort of been everywhere. It was like their connection, you know, it wasn't best loan Charlton, but it was their team and they were forging that connection. I'm sure David and Alan would have been on a fair few of those journeys so they can talk about it in a first-hand way rather than me. Um, but that's my theory on it. I feel like it was it was so special, 77 and 76, but 77 because of winning. It was so special because the connection was growing and there was a vindication in the victory. I think, I think, I think you're absolutely spot on, actually. I think also part of it was that it isn't so much now, which is a real shame, but the FA Cup was like the trophy to win. You know, the, the league is what you always aim for because you wanted to be league champions. But there was just something magical and mystical about, about the FA Cup. Um, you know, as, as a kid, that was the one game of the season where, you know, the, the whole day was dedicated to, to the FA Cup. Um, Alan, be interesting to hear your memories of that particular day and, and kind of where you were, what you were doing, and, and you know, sort of what you remember of it. Can you hear us, Alan? Of the day, it's, I think of the day it's hard to. I can now, yeah. Can you hear me? Can hear yeah. you, yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear me, guys? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we can. I'm having, I think I'm having a few problems with the sound. It just keeps breaking up. Okay. I think it's hard to, to, to just take the day as itself. I agree what you say, but the FA Cup in, in, in that sort of time seemed to mean more to us, didn't it? It was on in the, in the all day. It was on for 10, 12 hours. It was the biggest game. Everybody stopped. Your mum stopped. Your dad stopped. Your grandma, your granddad all watched the match. Everybody watched the game. Um, the heartbreak of the year before, I think it's... Probably first as a football match. I don't think that's but when you know when Southampton we really thought we were going to win it that time. We really thought we were back. Um, but the day and it was just pause it on it before there seemed there seemed to be a connection with with the club, with the players, the fans, and the manager. It seemed as though we were at one. You know, Doc's Red Army days. David, you obviously can remember that. Doctor Army days. There was 
great times, great times. We seemed together as a, as a as a unit, and to 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 win, to win at Wembley. I mean, every 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 schoolboy's dream. Huh? I think you make a really interesting point, Alan, about the disappointment of the year before, and it just it just elevated that to. Um, to to another level, and I think particularly against the opposition we have. Um, I mean, Richard made a really interesting point in in the in the comments. Thanks, Richard. That the cup final of, of was course, a fair yeah. warning to Paisley that United would have had his number while he'd been at Liverpool most of the time. Anyway, so you know it was it, it was right. I just think the the disappointment of '76 um, just had that added put that added edge to it. I think of, um, of, of, of the following year. So. You know, you, you, you're absolutely spot on there. Um, I mean, Adrian yeah, Vanstone... I'm sorry, no, there was also... Oh, Can you hear us also, okay, Alan? also Tommy Dock's speech when he said, you know, we'll be back. I can't. Tommy Dock's speech when he said, yeah, obviously, the second guess, you know, it comes, you say, to come this year and play Liverpool and beat Liverpool. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, some of the other comments that I had um, on Twitter, guys, Adrian. Yeah. yeah, we can hear you all right. Yeah, since we're having a few audio issues there, but we're, we'll 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 muddle through. So Adrian Vanstone, yeah. um, he went to the I final. Mean, I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah a few. Okay, it's fine. That's that. No problem. So Adrian Vanstone on Twitter went to the final, age sixteen. He travelled from North Devon without a ticket. He paid twenty five pound for a two pound fifty ticket. Got to his seat fifteen minutes before kickoff. Um, he also went to the semi-final against Leeds at Hillsborough. Like many other Reds, he was stood in the Leeds end. Um, Steve at Must Not Swear said that the joke, the first FA Cup final goal scored by a Russian in off Greenoff. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Robert Coonan was nine, watched it on a colour TV set. He was already a committed Red, and he recalls that we were the underdogs on that day, which is not a surprise considering how dominant that lot were at that time. And it was tremendously exciting when we got the winner. Um, Adam Smedhurst also commented that the cluster of goals, Pearson and Cases are both terrific finishes. The winning goal was surreal. We all saw Lou Macari strike the ball, but didn't see the contact with the back of Jimmy Greenoff. Uh, the ball seemed to take an age for crossing the line. No one really knew what happened. There were no replays in those days. Um, and Joker Jeff said, went to the 78 final with his dad. He was devastated. He was only 10. He knew... Uh, I knew I supported United because of my dad. Took me back in 77. Jesus, I've never seen him so happy. First real moment of pure joy I ever shared with him. And I think that's a really important point as well. He's 57 now. He's, unfortunately, his dad's been gone six years, but that memory sticks and the joy that he shared with him then. I think that's just just fantastic. David, what, what do you remember um, about that particularly hot summer's day? But for me, it's the build-up over the years. We had a period from 64 where we lost six losing semi-finals. We were favourites against West Ham in the mud at Hillsborough. And we had Charlton and everybody, but the ball just stuck. It just wasn't one of those days. We lost to Ferrovarosh in the Intercity Fairs Cup. And I was at Burnham Park for the second replay against Leeds right behind the goal in about the ninth minute Billy Bremner shot went right to my face automatically and tries me hard we never got through there was something about the cup in those days ever since 63 we can never go the extra mile like 67 when we were champions playing brilliant football but when we had the FA Cup like the third round against Tottenham we were sort of contracted we were like two and up at Old Trafford we thought we'd done it but then Gilsing got the equaliser and so on. There's something about our play in those days contracted compared to our free-flowing play of Lord Best Charlton and Crerham through balls and so on. Um, the two semi-finals also stick out, the, the Derby one, because that for me was when my personal dam broke. And once Gordon Hill got that goal in the 11th minute, I saw the rest of the match for a veil of tears because I'm a Cockney Red. And sometimes, you know, some of my mates who were Tottenham and West Ham said, I've got to hit, come with us. No way. There's no way I'm stepping in that stadium <laughs> with you lot. I'll wait until my lot get there. So I refused tickets at face value. I was not going to do it. So those semi-finals, and we all know about 76, Bobby Stokes' offside goal. And if you believe in God, he took his uh, revenge a few years later. But 
the 77, and as somebody mentioned, I was in the Leeds end, because whenever United played, we took three quarters of the ground, and it was brilliant. We were extracting the Michael, and it was just a <laughs> fantastic atmosphere. We questioned their parenthood, of course, but it was fantastic. And then the day, the day was hot and sunny. I'll always remember that. And surprisingly, there was no aggro walking down Wembley Way. Um, both sets of supporters who went at our end. Um, I thought we played very well, bearing in mind they were on route for a treble. And with hindsight, we all know what treble means. Um, Pearson got, for me, the best goal of the game when his favourite, his famous salute like that. And then Jimmy Case got a very good goal. And then the fluky second one. But in the end, just the joy, the release. I was too young to go to 63, Dennis Law, Paddy Creran. Um, so 64 was my first one. And then to lose in the semi-final uh, against West Ham. I come all the way back. And you guys must know what it's like. Coming back a long way when you've lost. That is a, That does something to a man. It builds up a veneer. Um <laughs> I also always say football mirrors life. You've got to go through the bad to appreciate the good. So kids who've only joined us since the Fergie years and so on, they don't know the depths we went through through the 70s and 80s. So moments like when we knew we didn't have a catch chance in hell of winning the leap, so you hoped for a run. And something like getting to Wembley, um, it meant the world at that time because in our hearts we knew we were not capable of sustaining a challenge for the league. So the cut was our glory. And it was the whole day and so on. When it was somebody else's team, you'd watch it from the moment you woke up on TV. But to be part of it, that was something else. Oh, a bit rough there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my dog having a, a two pennies of him. Um, do you think, David, that it was the it was such it was the weight of expectation that just lifted off the shoulders at that point where the, the doc had built up such an, in, such an exciting young team and the, the disappointment of the previous year. And when the final whistle went, it was just that whole stress and tension and everything just lifted and it, and it just elevated that particular day, you know, into you know the, the memories that, that that now produces, and people smile when they talk about the '77, not just because it was against that lot, um, but the, the the sheer, you know, but they'd gone through the, the, the sort of five or six years at the beginning of the '70s, and this is this is where the bullshit, this is where things should have kicked on from here. This was. Do you think there was an element of that as well? It was just that the weight. Yes, because we finally got the cup final. Tommy Doherty had tried to follow other successful managers, uh, Brian Clough, Liverpool side, where defence is king. If that is solid, you go off and attack. He tried it in his first year, and we were relegation fodder. On East, on Good Friday, we beat Everton 3-0. He finally got rid of that system. We thought, ah, oh, great. But then we lost 1-0 to Everton on the Monday. And it was too little, too late. But that's when like, the veil lifted. He realised what our players could do and what they couldn't do and play to their strengths. So the year in the second division was brilliant, both on and off the pitch, I've got to say. The football we played, taking over towns, even my wife, who hates football, came with me because instead of going on the M1 to big towns, we'd go on smaller roads. I'd drop her off. She'd go to an antique shop or something. I'd go to watch the game. We'd come back hoping that my windows were all intact and so on. It was a great year. And like the last game of the season, Notts County 2-0 up, where he drew 2 all. Some Reds were rather disappointed, as the remains of their ground would testify. But the atmosphere, and that's when we knew United, it's in our attacking, attacking's in our DNA. It's what we stand yeah. for. And even jumping forward, even when we thought, we, well, when we were after Mourinho, but people were saying, well, he's the defence's best. But he wanted the job so much he would have adapted his defensive best to our attacking DNA, but for a variety of reasons, we can talk in another podcast, it didn't happen. So, yes, that year, and the first game back at Old Trafford, when we were back in the first division, beating Sheffield United 5-1. Curry, Curry, what's the score? Curry, what's the score? <laughs> and he went like that. He was very good. He played to the Sheffield. 
And the following game, Old Trafford won one Coventry, but there you go. But overall, the football we played was brilliant. And some of the cup games, always winning 3-2 away at Wolves, things like that. Yeah. Football we played, that's what gets the heart racing, you know. Yeah, and when you mentioned the, 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 the semi-final against Leeds, um, you know, obviously Graham Mosley was in goal um, for Derby at the time, and he's not got good memories of United in cup finals, has he, really? Um, but I'm sure that that will come up in a in another... Because he was obviously goalie for Brighton in 83, so I'm sure that will come up in a, in a future podcast. But it just seems that, you know, the 77 final is... just 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 sparks off so many fantastic stories and fantastic tales and... Um, and Richard, uh, thanks again for your comment, Richard. You know that um, Shankly said that the doc was sitting on a gold mine with a number of very talented boys, and you know, and, and we and we knew that you know we knew that that was the case. We knew that that was that was the that was exactly what was happening. Um, I mean, Gaynor Hammond said she was at the game. It was a favourite live game because it was the last one she went to before her dad passed away unexpectedly at the age of forty-eight. It was a great day, especially after being to the 76 final when she lost Southampton and the fact that we beat our fiercest rivals. Um, you know, uh, left side Stretford End, standing near the doors at Piccadilly Station, looking back down the ramp at a sea of red and white, Kesara Sarah being sung. It will, that moment will live with him forever. The bus coming into view in Albert Square, never heard a noise like it. Absolute mm. hysteria. Uh, Mick Watton on Twitter. He was nine at the time, as many of us were very young. Um, didn't have a colour telly, so we always went um, uh, went uncles on cup final day. Had a, he had a colour telly, used to be on from all day from breakfast, which we've which we've touched on. It was just on all day long at that time. It didn't matter who you supported; you sat and watched it. Um, he loved it, and Jimmy Greenoff was his first hero. Uh, the the lazy donkey, which is a brilliant name, brilliant Twitter name. Um, he snuck in an air horn into Wembley that day, and he started the loudest Greenhoff chant. Yeah. Ever after he'd scored, um, and these are the these for me make you know make that day just such a fantastic day. Um, you know, it's, it's what I try to do with the account. It's not necessarily I'm educating people on United because I'm the last person that's going to do that. But these stories that you just don't hear that have been in the memory for absolutely years just for me are absolutely priceless. And I and I do love reading these stories. ADB, he was too young to be at Wembley. I can feel your pain, Eddie. So he watched it on TV. Ah, his dad was a City fan who jumped up when Jimmy Case equalised and he punched a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> uh, Jimmy soon made his regret, soon made him regret his actions. He also, uh, you know, we've got to talk about the flags at some point. The buck and does 70 on the highway. Um, and, and that comes up quite a lot um, in, in, in the comments as well. Is is I mean, the flags are are just fantastic. Um, it's just some of the, some of the, you know, some of the banners on there. Was it, I'd rather be a Muppet than a Scouse, I think was one of them. And I mean, David and Alan, you're far better placed than to remember some of those, but you don't see them anymore. And I think that's, that's just an amazing part of the day as well. Mm. Good evening. Uh, I've got, got Barry, Doc United. Um, it, the 77 final was the first English game to be shown on live telly in South Africa. What a great day it was. Um, and just before we, we we actually came live, me and Wayne were talking about, you know, memories along with you, David. And, you know, half of us don't remember what we did last week. But the 30 years ago, the 40 years ago, it's as clear as a bell. You know exactly where you were, what you were doing. Um, and I think when, when, it, when a match such as the 77 Cup final you know, stays in the memory in such vivid detail really tells you something about um, about that day um, and, and about how special it was to United fans. Um, I mean, Wayne. I mean, we're we may be of a similar age. You might be a little bit younger. I mean, do you have do you recall that day much? I mean, in terms of have you had stories from family that they've told you that you weren't aware of at the time? Well, I mean, no. Um, I wasn't born then. Full oh, okay. disclosure. But uh, obviously, through working with, I mean, I've worked with almost everyone from that team now in, in one form or another. You know, I've worked with Brian and Sammy and Gordon on, on their books. And yeah. so I've heard every variation of um, of their account of the day. You know, for example, Brian not really talking about getting man of the match so much and 
just feeling the relief of winning it. Gordon feeling like he'd underperformed in two cup finals and he was in, you know, a bit embarrassed um, by that to, to be celebrating. Sammy thinking that, you know, because he's obviously got 79 in his mind and yeah. David, was, David was talking about the semi-final arc and Sammy, for some reason, is ungodly troubled by losing to Norwich in the League Cup semi-final. He still hasn't let that go. So they have all these different kind of um, relationships with that cup final. And obviously Tommy is, is himself, do you know what I mean? Working with him and hearing, you know, like all of that kind of theory of that being, that should have been the start of something. Instead, it ended up being the, and I think this is another reason why it stands out is because that's the, that's the triumph to remember that team by. You do remember that they actually won something and that was the thing. And it was against the best team in Europe at the time. And, you know, it was an indication that something better was to follow. So they kind of canonised like that. A lot of people forget, as much as I try and remind them, I'm just one person fighting against a tidal wave of um, nonsense about if it's Paul Pogba's latest haircut or Marcus Rashford um, getting abused for something on social media. But the point um, I'm making is that that team had a, the same average age as Fergie's in 96, the very young side, which was top and tailed by Schmeichel and Cantona, when they obviously went on to dominate in Europe, well, dominate the domestic league and in Europe. But that team was the same average age, so um, everyone was sort of growing with them. And, you know, you had this massive day to celebrate, you know, it's a, um, gold, a silver jubilee and everything like that. Mm. So it's memorable for so many reasons. But they crystallised, and, and I don't... This is going to sound like a bad comparison, but you hopefully you'll see what I'm coming across with and, and know that I'm not being disrespectful. The same way that the, the guys, uh, the, the players who perished in Munich are kind of canonised and they're crystallised by the fact that they, they'd won so many great things, but they were, they were stopped in their youth. Mm. It's kind of like that with the 77 side for, for many, many different reasons, obviously, because they didn't die. They, a different manager came in with a very different philosophy. So you've got them stopped at a moment in time where they were at their, it, it turned out to be their peak, but it should have literally just been the start, like I said earlier. So, and, and th- those are the things because that's, I said that they've all got different, um, or they, like Brian before he passed away, they all have very different um, accounts of the day the one unifying thing that they have is that that should have been the start, but in, you know, it ended up being the pinnacle of what they would achieve together because I mean, the, the speed in which that side were broken up is um, second mm-hmm. only to the speed in which they played. Um, it's kind of fairly alarming really. Yeah. It's, uh, it certainly has that, um, that feeling to it, doesn't it? That it, and then the, the following seasons when, um, you know, when Gordon went um to Derby and so on and so forth. Again, I'm sure we'll cover that on a on a future pod as well. Um, Doc says he never forget Pancho's goal celebration. Let's be honest, who will ever forget um, Pancho's uh, the, the, the the fist up to the crowd? Um, Roger Roger Harpham on Twitter yesterday sent me a message saying it's the first ever game that you watched on the telly at the age of eight. This is where it gets interesting. His older brother supports supports Liverpool, and as with most big brothers, used to beat me up. He chose to follow United. We won, stopped them from winning the treble, got beaten up again, but it was worth it. You know, and it's, it's stuff like this that I, I I could read for hours and hours and hours. Paul Holmes went with his dad and his mates on the Pullman from Piccadilly, direct to Wembley, drinking and playing cards there and back. The game was tight. Atmosphere was aggressive. No love lost. And back in Manchester, went to Chinatown to finish the day out. Um, Jules Winfield, the first time he ever heard the words YSB. That his dad shouted when Jimmy Case equalised. I actually think Alex Stepney, the sun was in his eyes. And we'll, and we'll stick with that one. Uh, Craigie Bart, first game he remembers, seven-year-old, watching on telly, knowing his dad was there and trying desperately to see him on the telly. So, you know, the, the, you guys can keep the memories coming in. You can tweet me if, if anything about that particular day. You know, I'm sure this won't be the first. This certainly won't be the last time we, we, we follow this because of the, the memories that it, that it really brings back. Um, I mean, Alan, were you? Did you go to um, was it Albert Square the, when they brought the trophy back? And you know, there's lots of memories on that as well about how loud it was and and, and kind of the, the the numbers of people that were there. I seem to be having Alan's on mute. He's on. Are oh, you on mute, Alan? 
I've done it for him. There you go. Okay, there you go. You're off mute now. Are you back on mute? We'll come back. To, we'll, we'll come back to you in a in, in a second, Alan. But um, Rob, who's at Ridium Duff on Twitter, well, about now, ten of us. Now, oh, oh, sorry. Go on, then, Alan. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, no, we didn't, I didn't go Talbot Square. Um, I do have a bit of a story to tell you now, though. Now I can now I'm off of mute and I've got the sound working. <laughs> I never had a ticket for the final, right? N never had a ticket. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, 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 we can yeah. hear you. I, I do think Alan's yeah. having some I kind never of had audio a ticket for the final. Oh, is there? Okay, um. I've been to I've been to every channel. Yeah. Still on mute. Alan, we'll we'll, we'll come we'll, we'll come back to you in just a second. It sounds like you're having audio issues and and signal issues as well. Um but uh, yeah, Rob messaged me after the tweet I put out yesterday for his memories. Uh, he's uh, he was about 10 of us from school all age 16 it was a rite of passage day and that's come up a few times it's a rite of passage for many on a coach from manchester full of excitement and shandy well of course that's what you drink when 16 years old uh, in the end where we scored wembley was huge i won't tell you what the next line is because it's probably not much well after the but i won't say it anyway uh, robbie smith 76 final was his first live game he saw united play on tv he was six at the time and he remembers his dad being quite upset. Living in Ireland, they didn't travel that often to League One games. But when they beat Liverpool in 77, it was a much happier place than the year before. I did allude to a story that I got sent on Facebook. And I, I have to read it out because it was just brilliant. So this is from Darius Ogden, who uh, I did put the same message out on Facebook as I did on Twitter. So he remembers being sat outside before the kickoff and a lad pulls out a hacksaw to saw through the chained gate. Anyway, he's sawing through chain and, and the blade snaps. Quick as a flash, he pulls out another blade and proceeds to saw through the chain. About 200 got in without tickets. Funny as F. Also funny was he went to the loo uh, at halftime and something to eat and he missed every goal. Oh, so he, he he said he was a young kid. He was 20 at the time. He's nearly, you know, 66 nearly, but he'll never, ever forget those days. Some of the best. So mm. I think it's, it, and it just has such a, a mystical thing about it. These, you know, the 77 cup final, you, it's, it's just not, it, it's not one of those cup finals that you, that's kind of there in the background. It's, it's just one as a United fan, you just remember because of, a, who it was against, who were all dominating at the time, and it stopped them doing the treble. You know, funny enough, another team went on to do that a few years later. Um, it was for many, I mean, lads of my age was the first time they saw United in a, in, in a big cup final. And, and in fact, my, my lad asked me what was, so, what was so good about it. What was it about that that means? And it's really difficult to explain and, and to put into, into words why that particular cup final um, obviously, we could talk 79 another time, but that might be a very long podcast, I'm sure. Um, but it, 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 I mentioned the word mystical and magical in it, and it really does have that feel that you, if you weren't there, you wanted to be there. If you wanted to relive a United match, and I've done this a few times on Twitter about if there was one mate you could go back and relive or revisit, it, that one comes out, you know, the 68 Cup final does, the, the game against Arsenal at Highbury and the you know the five four the, the Babes final match on English soil, but always the seventy seven Cup final is just always there and it holds such a, a dear place in the in the memories of of United fans that it's I think it won't just be, you'll talk about it for years and years and years. Um, it's, it's just an extraordinary just an extraordinary um, Cup final I think for for many lads. Um, Degsy twenty two. The other factor for United fans, during this period, we knew in our own hearts, even though we give it large, we weren't going to win the league. So by getting to the cup line to win it, even when we lost to Southampton, they were second division. So we were able to go in Europe. And because of what the Busby Babes had started, that again is the United fans' DNA to go into Europe. That's why it meant so much. So I remember because my first European game, well, I think was... 
well, 77 Ajax away in Amsterdam, where half, half of Amsterdam was taken over by United fans everywhere. And that, that's what, you can go abroad on business. That's one thing. Go abroad on holiday. It's another. You go abroad supporting United. It's completely OTT. Conga mm. line down the streets, whatever. Happens to this day. I can't wait for Seville on the 20th. So that is it. United in Europe, as well as the cup final, means something. Even though our number of victories, we've got to have another one because of Arsenal in the lead at the moment. But it is special. And even though the league has taken over from the FA Cup, especially from a United perspective, 20 times, 20 times, etc., the cup is still special. And I'd like our dominance to be translated in the record books ahead of Arsenal, certainly, mm. to do justice, um, to, to get there and to win it and access to Europe. Europe, Europe was the thing. Yeah. We did it more than that. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And it's, it, it's you know, Wayne, it's, we all know what happened um, after the final. Um, but where... What do you think would have happened had the dock stayed at United? Where do you think United would have gone on from there? Do you foresee league titles with that team? Did you see European Cups? Did you see dominance in the FA Cup? Where do you where do you think, in hindsight, the whole what if question? Where do you think that would have led us? Yeah, that's a head versus art um, one, and obviously, well, you know, I'm basing this on interviews and footage um interviews with many different people who um if they're in that team they're obviously going to be putting heart above head um because no player wants to think that they're going to be the one who's going to be replaced to be strengthened in a squad that's going to challenge for the league now you look at the evidence of the cup final and you say united beat the european champions and the division one champions and that's a strong enough case to say that if they're consistent in the league to that standard that yeah of course that they can you look at aston villa and you look at nottingham forest both of whom were in the second division with united and you see them win league titles and european cups and you've got a strong argument for united um, the thing is with united the the first team was really good the the strength in depth wasn't there so when they lost a player like they lost Buckingham for a few games in 76 77 and in 77 78 and when it was out it was a massive there was a massive difference united they weren't a, a physically strong side anyway um they didn't have um a physically strong midfield probably the strongest players in the team were pearson and greenoff um and this isn't a, this isn't a disservice to any of the players because they were all fantastic but if you're looking at where you need to kick on for example you might have said maybe a, a harder man in midfield ironically in, an, in in some ways the players that sexton brought in were good squad members as long as they weren't replacing the players they were brought in to replace. For example, Jason and Greenafau getting rid of Hill. If you kept them in and you know you've got Thomas in for some games and then Hill in for others and stuff like that. Um that's where United were lacking really. They, they needed that strength in depth. And you know everyone loves Alex Stepney. There's no secret that um Doherty was in for another goalkeeper he wanted Peter Shilton. Um, he said that a million times so there are there are signings like that uh, you know and, and busby was an obvious protester who's an open protester with things like that because it you know it wasn't just um, the shilton signing because it was like i'm not going to pay any goalkeeper one thousand pound a week and then a few it was only like three or four years later he resigned from the board didn't he when um we signed robson so he wasn't it wasn't like he was making um airy fairy complaints about the transfer market he really felt in his heart that this wasn't the way that he wanted it to go and he, he didn't want united to go in that way so there were those kind of power struggles whether or not any manager you know docky aside where any manager could have wrestled that kind of control in that period of time until uh, busby resigned from the board the long answer to that paul i rambled for a bit but the, because I'm, I'm calling it a head versus heart i don't think that the squad as it was was strong enough to win um, the league or the European Cup. I do think that if they had a couple of major signings in there, and you would have expected Docky would have brought those major signings in if he was staying in there. Um, and so long as he was trusting the right people, because some of his transfers were not very good. 
it towards the latter end. You know, he, he, you know, Hill and Copper were standouts. Greenoff was speculative, but you know, standout. But some of the other ones, you know, um, Tommy Jackson and stuff like that, they, they were marginal squad players. So he had a hit and miss rate. So he, he would have to get hits with the players that he signed. I'm being fairly clinical because we all want to be romantic on mm, this kind of, of podcast and say, you know, oh yeah, we would have loved for them to have um, brought that. Um, Success and they might well have done because they there was like I said the average age gave them plenty of scope to improve and and kick on and you know they had the experiences in Europe as well which were a big thing to to their improvement so they would have improved from where they were it's difficult to know how much they would have improved they would have improved with better better players coming in whether or not under Doherty that would have been enough to uh, the romantic side of me says yes the clinical side says no. Yeah, I think it's, it, it is that great. It is that the what if, isn't it? I mean, I, I guess, like you say, romantically, we would have, you know, the, the team was young enough to have gone on to to dominate. But I think you quite you know, make make the good point that you needed um, reinforcements that were as good as. So if one of them dropped out, you had somebody of equal talent yeah. to come in and and, and and plug that gap. Um, I, I know we are we're getting pressed for time here. I just want to run through a few more. Um, just a few more uh, that the sort of fans' memories of of that day. John Hatton, one of his earliest memories, sat on his dad's shoulders running around the garden celebrating the final whistle in the kit, of course. Uh, Roger Gardner watched it on BBC One, was allowed to have his dinner in front of the telly. Steady, Roger. He had chicken supreme Vesta meal back then. How do you remember these things? This is what I love about it. It was a rarity sat in his fake United kit that looked more like 68 than 77. Thought we'd won 4-2. Didn't realise that replays weren't real and on the pitch was more about the result. Uh, mm. Andrew, I think it's Peach, Peach, I don't want to mispronounce that, uh, went with his mum, dad and sister who are sadly long with us. Sorry to hear that, Andrew. Can remember on the way home, all the motorway bridges had United flags hanging over them, made up for the year before when he came when they came off in tears. Um, and Jim messaged me, went to the cup final age 16, bought his ticket for £2, uh, bought his ticket at 10 to 3 for 15 quid. Sat in what was mainly the Liverpool side of the ground, hid his United shirt as well as he could under his cardi, kept his United flag rolled up, sat on his hands, and no doubt gave himself away in the first few minutes after talking to older, thankfully friendly people around him. The £15 was then more than I would earn start when I started work in August on the Monday after the Charity Shield. Great values, great time, still a season ticket holder today, up the Reds. And um, a Manchester United fan just says, it's boiling hot that day and the coach going had creaky seats it's all he remembers but what day it was um if anyone's got any any final comments about the 77 cup final that would just live with them in their memory you mentioned prices before um yes. to what prices especially tout prices going um i used to go regularly to old trafford so we knew the touts the speckled tim and some of the others and i belong to the london district supporters club went about 30, 35 times a season. So every home game was a 400-mile round trip. I went enough that if there was like a semi-final or whatever, I could stay nice and safe in bed, not queue up overnight. Knowing I got enough tokens in, I was getting a ticket. But the final, I can never get a ticket. So I, for Southampton, I, played, I paid 25 quid. And 10 years later, I'm not sure it was Everton or Brighton, I paid 35. So compared to inflation, that wasn't too bad. And I, to be fair to them, I never got ripped off. I knew the touts. They knew me. It was okay. I've been ripped off at AC Milan and so on, but another story for another time. So full up to the touts. When I couldn't get a ticket legitimately, they treated me reasonably. And Alan, your, your, your final memories of, of the 77 Cup final. What's the one thing that will stick with you whenever that comes up? As it does on your excellent Twitter account, by the way. Am I back on? I've, I really have had problems with the sound today. I'm it's all right. You're, you're fine. We, we, can, we can hear you loud and clear. Um, yeah, I was trying to tell you earlier, my, 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 my real thought for the day, I never had a ticket for the final, you know. Mm. Um, but I was... I was, I was quite a fast runner in them days. I was only 20. So I jibbed it. And I got caught as I went through the turnstile. 
um, it was a police officer that caught me. And so I just give him, I said, look, I'm sorry, like, I've been to every game. And, I've, and and he was really, really good with me. And he just no. threw me out, put me out the door. So I went back. I went back in the queue and I thought, well, I'm going to go back in the same queue. And I could see this police officer. Mm. So I did exactly the same thing again. But as he came, I just put one out on his chest and I ran. And as I say, at 21-year-old, there's no way he was catching me to get in, it, to get in there. But then you had to go through into the next stage, didn't you? Where you had got to show your tickets again. But I mean, we had, we had I had some guys in there, some mates in there. They went in, brought me a ticket out, and, and I went back in with that. That was real, you know. That was one of my memories of that day. But yeah, you know, a real great day. Right. Thank you. I listen, guys. I really, really appreciate you taking time out to to come on um, on what is the very first. United before Fergie podcast. So uh, thank you, David. Um, thank you, Alan. Continue what you're doing. Um, and Wayne, thank you so much, sir, for for uh, for setting this up and, and having us on. It's been a real pleasure to be on with you guys. So this has been the the first UBF podcast. I can't be bothered saying United before Fergie every single time. Hope you've all enjoyed it. Please like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to leave a, a review, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and we'll be back next Monday at half past eight for the second United Before Fergie podcast. Um, so until then, take care, everyone. Have a good week, and we'll see you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.